as we continue our journey through Paul's letter to the Galatians, we're, we're going to a close, and, and Paul, and we'll be looking at Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16 today. And I, as you're turning there, I just want to share a story of, I'm, I'm a person that has always enjoyed sports. And watching sports. It doesn't matter what's on TV. When I was homesick growing up, I would watch Sports Center on loop. Same highlights, same games, but I would just watch it on loop. I couldn't get enough. And as I, I started thinking about this text, I, I started thinking about a player that, uh, to say the least, was a little bit polarizing. He wasn't necessarily my favorite player, but I can't deny his greatness in the NFL. And I remember watching a game one time, and he, he scored a touchdown, and they caught him on the sidelines, and Terrell Owens uttered this phrase, I love me some me. I love me some me. And as a, as a young child, I was like, what, is, what does that even mean? As an adult, I'm just going to be honest with you, I completely understand what that means because, if I'm honest, I love me some me. And I started thinking about in our current world, in our current culture, how prevalent that love is. This is why, in my personal opinion, that one of the fastest growing genres in literature is self-help books. Books that say, you can fix it on your own, you can take care of you. This is also why many preachers, and I'm not going to go too far down this rabbit hole, I promise, but while many preachers make their name by giving you self-help instead of gospel truth. I'm just going to leave that there. But I think it's honestly, because if we're honest, we confess this day that I love me some me. Can we just start with that truth about ourselves? And as we wrestle with that truth, we hear this in Galatians chapter 5 where it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, or your text may say, of the flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And so Paul, he, he echoes this later in Romans where he says, the very thing I want to do, I don't do, and the thing I don't want to do, I do. But he's laying the groundwork for this argument that, that within our hearts and within our minds, we do love me some me, but there's this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is calling us to something greater because as he has already laid out in this letter, the ways of our flesh, the ways of our own wants and desires do not bear fruit, but what he's going to show us today is that the Spirit is fruitful. And he goes on, and he, he, he kind of continues his argument, and he says, you want to know what the ways of the flesh or the sinful nature are? Well, they're obvious. 
Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what he's laying out here is this is the ways of this world But the fruit of the Spirit is, and y'all know these, you've heard them since you were a child, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Paul lays out an argument. And and it's kind of an argument that, that we hear illustrated by Robert Frost when he says that there were two paths in the woods, right? And what does he say? I took the one less traveled. And that has made all the difference. But what what Paul is saying is that many of us, when we are presented with the option of the two paths, we so often look at the one that has been more traveled and say, that one looks safe. I understand that one. That's where all my friends are going. And so we follow the ways of this world. But there's this other way. This other way that is not of our own wants and desires. But because we we love us and we love ourselves, it's hard for us to humble ourselves. It's hard for us to trust anybody else or anything else. I I shared uh, previously about this time where I was driving down the road and it kept saying and three miles bridge out exit now and I said oh I've driven this road enough that bridge isn't out and at two miles bridge out exit now and I was like no I've been down this road before and and then a half mile bridge out no surely not and imagine my shock when the bridge was out If only I had listened, if only I had trusted those signs in my world and in my life. And I love the fact that Paul, towards the end of this letter, do you notice the shift that happens when he starts talking to we and us? Because what he's reminding us is that sometimes what we, not sometimes, all times, what we need is community. And we need to listen to one another as we act and care and compassion for one another. But we we start living in a way that says, I know best. I know how it's supposed to be done. And so it it becomes difficult to trust other people. Even those people that have our best of intentions at heart, we say, what's their ulterior motive? What are they trying to get out of this? And not only that, but we find ourselves with difficulty trusting God as well. Because what we do is we say, 
things like this. Well, God, I've done all I know how to do, so now I'm going to come and bring it to you in prayer. God, I've exhausted myself, so now I bring it to you. Anybody ever prayed that prayer, or is that just me? And so what we try to do is we go, God, I'll handle it until we can't. And then we go, okay, I have nothing else I can do. I'll trust your way, God. At least this is the way that I lived for a long time in my life. But, but as Paul has laid out, the gospel isn't about your work, but it's, it's the good news of God's work in and through you. And as we hear laid out here, it's done through submission to the Spirit. It's done through accountability with one another, compassion and trust. But I love that as Paul lays it out, he gives us that text of the fruit of the Spirit. As a reminder that this is something that the Spirit produces within you, not something you can produce within yourself. It's not the, it's not the fruit of hard work. It's not the, the fruit that's achieved by doing better, by trying harder, but it is the fruit that is achieved by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And have you ever noticed that it's not the fruits with an S? Has that ever bothered anybody else when they read this? As, an, as somebody that doesn't do well in English, it's never really bothered me. I've just kind of glossed over it. But whenever I sent this to my English teacher one time, she said, that should be an S. And I was like, should it? And we start to wrestle with that idea of, is it the fruit or the fruits of the Spirit? Because some of us would go, yeah, the Spirit has taken hold of me because I'm good and I'm faithful. I may not always be joyful, peaceful. And what I think Paul is trying to help us to address is if we're living in the Spirit, you don't get to pick and choose the fruit that is bore out in your life because the Spirit is the one that is fruitful and it is bearing good fruit within and through you. However, we must provide good soil for the Spirit to bear good fruit. We must provide a heart softened by the love of God and love of neighbor that has been flooded with God's grace that we have died to ourselves in sight of being alive in Christ Jesus. This is what allows the Spirit to take root within you. And so we hear these fr the fruit of the Spirit again, which is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is your life bearing that fruit? Is your life showing that fruit? And like I said earlier, I love the fact that it's not fruits. It is one fruit because Fred Craddock, world-renowned preacher, says it this way. While the flesh results in a plurality of works, while he's saying, while the flesh is saying, just do enough, be enough, he says, God's Holy Spirit generates a singular fruit. 
Love is not one virtue or ideal among others, but the care for others expressed in concrete acts of unselfishness is the mainspring of all other activities. And so what he is saying is this. The seed that has been planted in the soil that is your heart is God's love. And it echoes what he would say later in 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't it? Where we, we know these verses, it says things like, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, which means love has self-control. Or it does not boast, which means love is humble. It does not dishonor, meaning it is gentle. Love is not self-seeking, which means it is generous. It's not easily angered, which means it is peaceful. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth, meaning, guess what? Love is faithful. And if we look at the text even deeper, it says that if we love, then we are sharing God because why? God is love. So the very seed that has been planted in your heart is this, the seed of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that bears the fruit of love for God and neighbor. But these fruits, this fruit is not something that you simply possess that just is called to say, oh, well, I've got it down in my heart. So, so often I go back to that children's song where it says, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? So here's the problem with that song that I've got with that song. It's good that you've got it down in your heart. How are you living it out? How is it being presented in your life? And sometimes I think we go, yeah, I, I love my neighbor, but our actions don't show it. Sometimes we say, yeah, I'm a generous person. I'm peaceful at heart, but it doesn't show in the way that we act and interact within our communities. It's something that is lived out as we find ourselves living into this truth. As you experience God's love. You find yourself extending love of God and love of neighbor instead of hate and fear. Because as the text would tell you, perfect love casts out fear. So when we, when we find ourselves acting in fear and in hate, we're not bearing the fruit of love. We, we, as we find the Holy Spirit taking root in our lives, we find ourselves being kind instead of acting in a way of cruelty or indifference towards God and neighbor. See, I think sometimes we get sideways on this and we start to think, well, as long as I'm not being cruel, I'm okay. But, but John Wesley would even say that there's three simple rules. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God is kind of the abbreviated version that Bishop Reuben Job put out there. But it says, attend upon the ordinances of God. But what he's pointing out is it's not simply enough to just do good, but we must also do no harm. And it's not simply enough to not be cruel. Because here's the thing. So many of us are acting out of indifference for our neighbors, which is not very kind. When we say, oh, well, I don't even think about that. 
I don't even worry about their issues. I don't really care. I don't have a feeling either way. I'm not the one doing it. But I would dare say that if it was somebody that we truly cared about and we knew that they were struggling and had issues, that we would try our best to help them. So to be kind is to actually care about the well-being of all God's children. And he goes on. So are you, share, are you bearing the fruit of generosity and graciousness instead of living a stingy and selfish way that says it's all about me? I don't have time to help you because I've got to go do what I want to do. I don't have the money to help you because I've got to go on my vacation and I've got to take care of myself and I've got to make sure that I have the best thing so that I look better. Are you faithful? Are you faithful to the gospel and to truth instead of living a life that is uncommitted to anything or anyone? You see, I think a lot of us would say, yeah, I'm faithful. I'm at church every Sunday. I go to Sunday school. Read my Bible. I'm faithful. But what this idea of being faithful is a call to is a call to doing it for the right reasons of caring about God and God's people. And some of us, we're faithful strictly because it makes us look good. And what we're faithful to, if we're honest, is our image, like we talked about last week. We're worried about how we act and interact and therefore how the world sees us. And the only thing that keeps us and guides our actions and directions is this. Does it keep up with what I want people to see and hear about me? When God says something that I don't like, when God, when the scripture and I read it and it says something that convicts me, do I actually allow it to convict my heart and my mind and to change me and to change the way I act? Or do I just go, ah, we're not going to worry with that because, hey, I read my scripture, I showed up at church, I'm good. Have we chosen to live a life of self-control? Instead of one that is selfish and rooted in self-indulgence. You see, that's what Paul is pointing out in his list of the sinful nature is this. That those things of this world are things that are rooted in your own selfish ambition and that are rooted in your own self-indulgence. And so what he's saying is those moments where you have stopped focusing on God's will and started focusing on your will, you have gotten out of line and stopped bearing fruit. And so he calls them back to love God and love neighbor. And yes, as T.O. would say, even love me, some me. Because if you look at Jesus Christ, when he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he says, and we know this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. But he doesn't stop there, because what does he finish with? As yourself. He's not saying just throw yourself into the fire and be done, but what he's saying is that you care for others just as much as you care for yourself. And I would ask this question, do we care for our neighbor as much as we care for ourselves? I'll take it, I'll even be gracious. Do we love our neighbor as much as we love our significant other or our children or our grandchildren? 
Do, do we love our neighbor as much as we actually love the person that just lives next door? And some of us don't even love the person that lives next door, but we'd be honest and say that we'd help them before we'd help somebody else. So this idea that what Paul is pointing to is he's saying the way of the world is one way, but the way of the Spirit stands opposed to this idea of self-indulgence in the flesh. And what he's trying to help them to understand is this, that works that harm and disrespect others and self and community are not of God. So, is the seed of love implanted by the Spirit bearing fruit in your life? And if, if not, then maybe we need to analyze the soil that we're providing for that seed, right? Because the Spirit is fruitful, but the way of the flesh is barren, as we've already unpacked in this letter. So maybe we need to analyze the soil. And so I want to ask today, have our hearts become too hardened to God and to neighbor, allowing the evil one to snatch the gospel from us before it can bear fruit in our hearts? That the, the second we hear the gospel, the evil one goes, yeah, we're not, going to let that, we're not going to let that get too rooted in you. We're not going to let that change anything about you. Or, or have we not allowed the love and grace of Christ to take root in our lives, or, or rather allowed it to, only for it to bear fruit at convenient times for us. Yeah, I'm loving, kind, when it's convenient for me, when I want to be. I can be real peaceful when I want to be. I can be real generous when I want to be. Have we allowed the promises and the cries of this world to choke out the good news of Jesus Christ where we go, God, I know what you're calling me to. I know what you proclaim. But have you seen the world lately? I've got to do this just to survive, just to get by. I've got to do what the world proclaims if I want to succeed in this life. How is your soil? And in case you missed it, Jesus has something to say about this because those types of soil I just mentioned are the very types of soil that he lays out in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. So yes, Jesus agrees with Paul. They are in agreement on this idea that the seed that is being planted in your heart and in your life is a gift from the Holy Spirit to love and care for neighbor that is bore out in the fruit of the Spirit. But sometimes if we're not experiencing this fruit in our lives, we need to analyze the soil that we have provided for that seed. Because I found out the other day I'm not the, I don't have a green thumb by any means. Nothing I've ever planted lives more than like two weeks. But I found out the other day, I went to, farm, I went to Tractor Supply just to look around, and I found out, did you know that depending upon the soil that you have, you may need different types of fertilizer? I had no idea. I thought miracle Grow was all there was. 
And so what we may need to do is take a step back and look at the soil that we have provided and say, God, if our hearts have been too hardened to your people, help us to find practices and ways that we may soften our hearts to understand you more fully and to care for our neighbor. God, if we found ourselves in those moments where all we do is live it out to benefit self, help us to seek you more fully this day instead of our own wants and find practices to do so. God, if we find ourselves hearing your truth but allowing the world to drown it out, guide and direct us that we may find practices to silence this world that we can hear your truth of love, grace, and mercy, and that it can take root in our lives. Heaven forbid, maybe we need to take a sabbatical and turn off the TV and Facebook and all of these things that would stir it up within us that God's gospel is not the true gospel, but that the Fox News gospel or the CNN gospel or the Facebook gospel is what we're called to follow. We've got to be honest with ourselves. What kind of soil are we providing for the Holy Spirit to bear fruit in our lives? Because as the old song says, the Spirit is willing. But too often, it's our flesh that's so weak. It's our flesh that's unwilling to bear fruit. And so what Paul is reminding us of this day is to allow the seed of God's love, grace, and mercy to take root and hold in your heart that it can bear fruit in the ways in which you act and interact with God's creation. Because here's the thing, when we follow our own wants and desires, it bears no fruit, but the Spirit is fruitful. Amen? Amen.